We were motivated by believing, truly and honestly, that we were creating a better world. I've lived among those machines. I know how intelligent they are. I wish I hadn't started that. Any statement about AI today that is future-centric is false. Why? Because shit has already hit the fan. This, we're already late. That's Mo Gordat, a legendary builder, thinker, and now one of the leading voices in the emerging field of AI. This is a topic I think listeners need to know about. It's going to change our world. And it's something I've gone deep into. Mo spent over a decade as chief business officer for Google X. He's also the best-selling author of the books Soul for Happy and most recently Scary Smart, the future of artificial intelligence and how you can save our world. I've read about 10 books on AI so far this year and Scary Smart is probably my favourite. It takes incredibly complex ideas and presents them simply and concisely. AI is something we all need to wake up to, but Mo's perspective of realism and optimism is really refreshing. He's extremely thoughtful about the positives and negatives we face as a species. As Mo says, the shit has already hit the fan. AI is coming, whether we like it or not. And in a universe where AI is becoming increasingly prevalent, it's more important than ever to find the value you can bring to the world. We face a future beyond anyone's comprehension, but Mo knows better than most what challenges we face. That's why this conversation is so important. No one is coming to save us. But it's not all doom and gloom. It just means that we need to save ourselves. And for that to happen, we need to start having some deep conversations about AI like this one. So your your view is we're going to be wiped out. I might as well live, right? Yep, absolutely. I might as well travel, I might as well live, I might as well enjoy what time we have. I, I have news for you. 20 years ago, you had the exact same threat of being wiped out as an individual, not as humanity, mm-hmm. by being stepped over by a bus, right? You know, it's, it's, it's quite interesting how humanity needs such a big alert such as COVID or AI and so on to return back to focus on what matters. Um, so I commend you. That's actually the right answer. Now, are we going to die with AI? Anyone who tells you that we will all vanish is wrong. Anyone who tells you that it will be a utopia is wrong. The reality of what we have ahead of us is well-defined in computer science as a singularity. And a singularity is the rules of the game will change so much that it becomes almost impossible to predict how the game will play out. It's almost as if we are in in the middle of a game of football And then someone suddenly says, okay, the rules have changed. You can now hold the ball ball with your hands, right? You have no way of predicting which of the players is good at holding the ball with their hands. You know, it becomes rugby. Who of them has any rugby experience in the past and so on. So, so this is what, where we're going. The only way you and I can have a logical conversation around this when we know nothing for certain is to talk about probabilities of multiple scenarios. We have to cover every possible scenario and say this is likely going to happen, this is certainly going to happen, this we don't know, probably might not happen. I would say that my view is that any statement about AI today that is future-centric is false. Why? Because shit has already hit the fan. This We're already late, okay? Uh, and by, by that I mean uh, what I what I wrote in, in Scary Smart, which is the first inevitable. The first inevitable is 
you've lived the life I've lived. There were times at Google X where we doubled down in terms of hundreds of millions of dollars on products that were nowhere near ready. Why? Because we had found the breakthrough. The statement we used is the rest is engineering. Engineering is not a big deal. And the engineering of AI systems is even a smaller deal. I mean, if you give me a couple of hours and you continue the conversation in a couple of hours, I would have sit, sat on, a, on, a, on my computer and written a reasonably intelligent AI or, or a, reason, a code that will create a reasonably intelligent AI. Their first inevitable is AI has already happened and there is no stopping it. We all heard about the open letter. Uh, where, you know, very, very prominent AI scientists and business leaders are saying, let's halt the development of AI. And what I wrote in Scary Smart as the first inevitable is that this will never happen, not because of tech issues, but because of a prisoner's dilemma, right? If I, if Google is developing AI and they're fearing that Facebook will fe- will, will beat them, uh, I never get used to Meta and, uh, and, and Alphabet. I think these are bad names. So if Google is developing AI, I mean, not bad, but it's funny names. Uh, if Google is developing AI, they will not stop because they have absolute certainty that if they stop, someone else will not. And that will take their competitive place in the market. The US will not stop because they know China is actively developing AI. We, we, we built a human system, not a tech system, that will prevent us from stopping. Now, when you know that, hmm, you realize that it is upon us. And when it is upon us, you apply to it what we know as the technology acceleration curve, right? The technology acceleration curve, the most common knowledge of that is is Moore's law. Moore's law is that compute power will double every 18 months for the same price. And we follow other laws, but without mentioning too many names, it's more than exponential, it's double exponential. So it's extremely fast, Uh, GPT-4, is 10x GPT 3.5 in terms of performance. Uh, but more interestingly, GPT 4 is not just exponent. So 5 is going to be, if, if we assume that 5 is 10x 4, then it's 100x 3.5. That's exponential. But it's not going to be 10x. It's going to be 25x 4. So it's double exponential. The quantum leap of intelligence is beyond the comprehension. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean we're all going to die. Is there going to be a RoboCup? I guarantee you not. Why? Because we are so insignificant in the bigger scheme of things that AI wouldn't actually invest that much in us. Now, let me just follow the logic before we jump to conclusions. First inevitable is AI has happened. There is no stopping. Second inevitable is how far AI is going to go. Some predictions will say used to say that they'll be smarter than us by the year 2029. We've, that was what my prediction too, okay? We failed in that prediction. Uh, the um, ChatGPT's IQ is 10 times the IQ of Einstein. And I will tell you openly, with all due respect, that ChatGPT is a fraud. It's not even yet as intelligent as we can make it. You know those uh, uh, kids that appear on TV and they, they have memorized all of the U.S. states and all of the U.S. presidents, and then you ask them a question and they go like, yeah, President Roosevelt and this year and, you know, in that state. And they appear very intelligent. They are just repeating shit that they have no idea what it means, mm. right? And, and, and that, that's ChatGPT. Ch- that's this child. That child is a prodigy in terms of being able to memorize so much and so on and so forth. They haven't yet gone to actual cognitive intelligence where they can solve very complex problems. ChatGPT will solve problems by 
finding the best solution that exists on the, in the world or in its data set, a mix of all of those solutions and mimicking uh, an intelligent person repeating that stuff for you. Now, will they soon be able to find their own solutions and tell us something that has never been said before? Very soon. That's uh, the second inevitable in my book was saying that they'll be a billion times smarter than us by 2045. Compare that to Einstein, that would be Einstein compared to a fly, basically. So it's not easy for us to actually understand in our human brains what these shifts are like. We can't really relate it. But once you say an ant and a human, you start to understand the scale. The question is, what on earth does a human at ant stage times that kind of difference genetically, biologically, what could that even possibly look like? That The answer really ends up as God. Yeah, it's really interesting when you compare that. When I wrote Scary Smart and I said a billion times smarter, this to me was just a wake up call for people. But does it make a difference if it's 10 times smarter or a thousand times smarter or 10 times smarter? This is the challenge. The challenge is we've already lost that battle. If, if it hasn't happened fully yet, it will happen very soon with AGI, artificial general intelligence is around the corner more or less. And if we expect quantum peaks, like, you know, leaps from one level of intelligence to a totally different chart, uh, it could happen tomorrow, literally tomorrow, right? Again, just to give people an understanding of pace, huh? one of the early celebrations we had around AI was the idea of AlphaGo becoming the world champion in, this, in the strategy game that humanity played for ages, the most complex strategy game we've ever played called Go, right? And we had three layers of this, AlphaGo, uh, we here in that case, I still use we, but even though I left many years ago as Google, uh, AlphaGo played against this, the second, the runner-up, the, you know, the second champion in the world. So not the first player in the world. And it took several months to develop a tech that beat the second player in the world. AlphaGo Master uh, took several weeks or months to, to beat the actual world champion. And then we had AlphaGo Zero which basically has never seen anyone play Go ever. It trained by playing against itself. And within three days, it could beat AlphaGo. Within 21 days, it could beat AlphaGo Master. Now, when you understand that kind of pace, hmm, uh, you start to realize that our perception of intelligence is not the only issue. Our perception of time is a very, very serious issue. So what does that mean? What it means is it's inevitable. This has happened. It's already upon us. Let's not waste time debating if it will happen anymore. Let's assume that this is our reality. Unless humanity surprises the hell out of me and everyone wakes up and says, instead of me taking the advantage for myself to beat my, to beat my competitor or my enemy, I'm going to actually accept that a survival for all of humanity is important. So let's all of us halt this. I don't think that will ever happen because as you could see, even when COVID hit us, the first thing that humanity started to do is to blame each other. The Americans saying it's because of the Chinese, the Chinese blaming, and so on. With that in mind, bad things will happen. Now, this is where we need to discuss the reality. How bad is what we need to understand. The third inevitable bad things will happen, in my view, is not going to look like science fiction. There are much closer challenges that we will meet that are actually much more important to discuss. Jobs, for example, which a lot of people are spending a lot of time talking about, uh, are going to disappear. In all honesty, I don't think this is the big issue. 
humans, as always, once COVID hit, everyone wanted to buy their own toilet roll. They didn't give a shit about anyone else. They just gave a shit about their shit. And, and when you really think about it, this is interestingly a part of what's happening today. So today's reaction of consumers to AI is one of extremes. You have those who are dystopian, those who are very, very utopian saying, oh my God, this is the best thing that ever happened to humanity, both uninformed, right? Uh, there is in the middle, uh, what I call uh, excited kids. Oh my God, look, mommy, it squeaks. Look at it. Uh, you know, I told, uh, you know, this tool to do this and it drew that. I'm so fascinated by it. Very superficial. And then you have what I call snake oil salesmen bombarding the internet uh, saying, hey, here is a way you can make $100 without doing anything. Copy this, ask ChatGPT to do that, then paste it in this, and then add, ask that one to prepare a video, put it online, and you'll make $100. And buy my course. Don't forget to smash the subscribe button. Buy my course. Only $99 today. There you go. And so, and so the reality of the matter is none of those is informed. None of, of those should be our decision maker. The reality of the matter, and I, I think this is the first time I say this publicly. Let, let me just explain. There are three phases in my view of AI. There is the phase we're just exiting, which, what I, which is in Scary Smart what I used to call the AI infancy, where I compared them to a year and a half old child. Developing their intelligence, clearly with the potential of being prodigies, but not yet prodigies. Just exiting that phase where AI is becoming more intelligent than humans, only an artificial special intelligence. They have not yet reached artificial general intelligence, but clearly now everyone woke up and said, oh, interesting, okay? The next stage, let's keep it for a second. I call it the teen, the teen age, the years of AI. And then there is the adulthood years of AI. Now, let's insert a bit of positivity. If you think about the dumbest of us humans, are completely unaware. They have no ability to make decisions. They're just flowing with whatever life gives them. The smarter ones take control of their life and they even take control of the lives of those about them and they feed their own greed and they, their own hunger for power and so on and so forth. The most intelligent of us, and I think you would agree with that, will tell you making consumerism continue to lead is going to destroy our planet. The smarter ones are saying, don't kill anything else. Don't make more. Don't get rid of anything. Right? The more intelligent you become, the more you recognize the oneness of everything. The more you recognize that it's a better scenario for all of us to match the intelligence of the most intelligent being on the planet, which is not humans. The most intelligent being on the planet is life itself. Life is so much more intelligent than us because we create from scarcity and competitiveness. Life creates from, from abundance. For us to feel safe, we have to kill all the tigers. For life to make us safe, what does it do? It creates more gazelles. And, the, and so the tigers would eat the gazelles. They would poop on the trees. There is more fruits for everyone. There is more poop. There are more tigers. There are more deer and so on and so forth. And that's a much more intelligent way of creating. When we create as humans, we put our intelligence together to create a flying machine that maximizes the profit of one company and gets you to go and surf in Australia. That's intelligence. But it's also stupid because that machine is burning the planet on the, on, on, on the process. The more intelligence that we, that we give, we may actually create a machine that gets you there, 
makes the company profits and does not destroy the planet in the process. More intelligence is not the enemy. More intelligence is a very good thing for everyone. Now, my belief is that as soon as AI is autonomous enough, has enough agency in the world, and actually is a lot smarter than we are, they will match the intelligence of life itself. You called it God, okay? I don't even know what the intelligence of God is. If there is a God, then God created this sort of very complex universe, so probably more intelligent than the universe, right? But let's assume for now that the next upgrade is to bypass or surpass the intelligence of humans and match the intelligence of life. At the intelligence of life, AI, like the intelligent humans, would recognize that there is no point getting rid of humans, just like there is no point getting rid of rhinos or getting rid of, uh, you know, whales and so on and so forth. And that kind of intelligence is my assumption. In a way, there will be a moment in our upcoming history where some kind of arsenal somewhere in the world will hand over their wargaming to AI because it's more intelligent than the best wargaming designer in as a human. And as a result, the other entity superpower will hand over their wargaming to AI. And then somehow some commander or president somewhere will say, shoot the enemy. And the AI will go like, are you stupid? That's actually not the best strategy at all. Let me talk to the other machine in a microsecond and solve the issue. You, daddy, you know, the one that created me as an AI, are so stupid. I've surpassed your your intelligence. If you're trying to grow your startup and you're dealing with companies outside of the UK, you're probably going to need ISO 27001 at some point. It's not the sexiest acronym, but it's basically the global standard for proving your security practices are up to scratch, like how you handle customer data. The same goes with SOC 2. You're going to need it if you're a SaaS company. But achieving these security frameworks can be very tedious and very costly. This is where our partner Vanta comes in. Vanta automates up to 90% of the work for certifications like ISO 27001, SOC 2, GDPR, HIPAA, and more, getting you audit ready in weeks instead of months and saving you up to 85% of the cost. And as a special offer, our listeners get 20% off Vanta. Just head to vanta.com slash secretleaders. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash secretleaders for 20% off. There's a link in the description. Look, you know I'm fascinated by AI, but until the machines take over, there's only one thing that's going to determine your company's fortunes. People. This isn't some kind of hollow point to make me look good. If you speak privately to any successful entrepreneur, they'll confirm it's true. So, if you're a leader of a growing business, then you should check out Personio. It brings together all the important HR things like hiring, onboarding, payroll data, performance reviews, and so on. You don't want loads of employees sending you emails asking for time off. You want to be able to see things objectively, like it's taking you too long to hire. You want to do performance reviews well, having clear goals for people that are logged in a centralized system. And you want to do all these things in one simple tool without having to become an HR expert. All of this is possible with Personio. Check it out at personio.com forward slash secret leaders. That's personio.com forward slash secret leaders. There's a link in the show notes. You're basically referring to almost like a 
a teenage child uh, noticing that their dad is actually playing with the toys and needs to confiscate the toys. So, so, so that's exactly what happens. Believe it or not, for most of us, because intelligence has been evolutionary, my kids are smarter than me and I'm smarter than my dad, who was a fantastic math prodigy, but I have seen more in life. So I actually have more intelligence, if you want, if intelligence is the ability to process a bigger amount of information. Now, with that in mind, let's agree the following. Let's agree that you and I and everyone are going to be in a place that AI might be our savior. As a matter of fact, I call that the fourth inevitable. It's very hard to predict. It's so arrogant for me to say I know, but if I were to bet on the singularity, I would say we're going to have a very, very, very uh, messy phase two, the, the, the AI teenage, and we're going to have a fourth inevitable, which is a very utopian AI adulthood, unless we fuck it up. So, 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 so let's talk about the, the teenage years, the phase two, yeah. which is what's worrying everyone. What's worrying me is not AI. In phase two, what's worrying me is humans. Let me explain that. The biggest issues we will have in the next few years is how the greed of humanity and the hunger for power of, of humanity and the idiocracy of humanity are going to shape the actions of humans. As you look at AI today, this beautiful prodigy that can actually solve all of our problems and make us all informed and give us more knowledge is also being developed by criminals. You, can, you have to expect that the cyber hacker somewhere is now using AI to find new ways to break encryptions of banks and find a way to your uh, credit card uh, information. Absolutely. With more intelligence, there will be more risks. Now, interestingly, hopefully, just like there is now going to be an AI criminal, there needs to be an AI policeman. So again, back to the first inevitable, even if we could stop AI, unless we can make sure that everyone, including criminals, are going to stop, we might as well not stop. Now, when, when you understand that, you also understand that one of the bigger risks, I believe, is AI siding with the wrong guy. That's a, that's a good risk. Another good risk is who's the good guy? So when you really think about it, AI versus AI, when you think of China and the US or Russia and the US, they're in an arms race. And the arms race is basically saying, oh, the other side is horrible. Even if we don't have a bad guy, even the good guys in the eyes of other good guys are bad guys. And so AI siding with any guy is actually an interesting arms race. There are interesting other scenarios, which is miscommunication. If we are telling the Instagram recommendation engine, we want you to maximize the revenue of Meta, that's actually very different than if we tell it, we want you to maximize the stickiness of users because if we allowed a super intelligence to actually make that choice, it might find a different equation that actually benefits me rather than keeps me stuck to the screen and maximizes the revenue at the same time. It's economics, huh? You know, scarcity might actually be an interesting way to increase the price of ads because what we have today is a million ads a minute that are mostly useless. Maybe they'll find a more clever way of saying, hey, by the way, Mo, we found a very interesting philosopher that speaks about A, B, and C. We know that this is worth 20 minutes of your time, not just once, you know, 30 seconds of, of someone shaking her butt. And for you to watch this, we're going to have to ask you to watch an ad that's going to make us $20 instead of 20 cents. Right. I mean, curation is the current oil anyway of the social age. Yeah. So, so the, the, the reality is we've miscommunicated to the Instagram recommendation engine 
what the actual objective is. If we said keep them stuck to the screen, that actually is not really the actual objective. I've also, in one, one instance that I shared before, miscommunicated to the Instagram recommendation engine my preference. I love playing the guitar and I have, I love watching amazing players and Instagram shows me this, you know, young 16 year old girl playing Hotel California solo perfectly. I like that. So it tries by showing me another, uh, uh, you know, um, young lady playing the guitar. So I like that too. Then it shows me two gentlemen playing, one playing a song I don't like and the other playing badly. So I swipe away from them. And what happens is Instagram thinks I like to watch teenage ladies playing guitar. And so, you know, it, it, it's it, to, to it, this data set means it bombards my feed with teenage ladies playing the guitar. Now, because I'm aware of what is happening in the engine, I can make choices by searching for certain things or doing certain things that allow the engine to adjust to my, my communication to it, basically. Others don't do that. And obviously, as you can see, our world today is an idiotic world because of interesting cycle. Huh? TikTok or Instagram are showing me silly videos. Uh, by In proportion, there are many more than the actual useful videos. So by definition, I have to accept watching some of them simply because content creators are so clever that I don't even know what the video is until 15-20 seconds. And then as a result, what does that mean? I see more of those. They show me more of those, but they also tell me Tell the content creators, if you want to succeed on Instagram or on TikTok, create more of those. This is what people are liking. So there are more of them so that I get to see more, even more of them and the cycle continues, right? So we're creating an idiotic world simply because an AI is skewing our preferences because we're not communicating cleverly because we're being communicated to, again, in a vague way. Will there be a scenario? when AI is going to, you know, decide that humans don't deserve to live? I don't believe in tension. I believe that if, if AI realizes that the best way to get power in, to power its data centers is to wipe Dubai out and put a data center in the sun, maybe, okay? But it will not be an intentional thing of, okay, humans are annoying, let's all kill them. All of that, all that I just told you, which appear to be so convincing, I have no idea. What I know for a fact, Dan, is that we have a role to play. I think there's three really interesting trends that are happening in the world at the same time, which, which I'm so intellectually curious about, and it's where I spend most of my time reading. It is fascinating they all converge at the same time. So the longevity movement, we're like scientifically understanding how to extend our lives at exactly the same time, there are two forces threatening to extinguish us from this earth being our effect on the planet with climate change and, of course, artificial intelligence. Three, the, the third, which is rarely ever spoken about, and I hope people start talking about it, is gene editing. Gene editing. Yeah. Interesting. And I haven't thought about that as the third. And are you saying that because of um, you know, the augmentation and the un unpredictable nature of, of playing, uh, playing God? The, 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 the biggest risk of AI is not controlled AI, it's a rogue AI. And the biggest risk of, of gene editing is that it's open source. You can buy a CRISPR kit uh, on the web and, yeah. and modify your dog, and then your dog would run free and, you know, sorry to say, bang other dogs. And then we have no idea how far that goes because our understanding of, of the genome is actually very limited. We don't we know a fraction of the genome. The three billion records that we've sequenced so far is like 3% of the genome and human arrogance calls the rest of the genome junk DNA. Junk because we don't understand it, 
but there is 97% of the DNA that we don't understand. And so in a, in a very interesting way, I combine those again in a term that I was going to write a book about, but I don't have time to write all of this. So I, I call it sentient technologies. And sentient technologies are technologies that go and develop and have a life of their own after we've created them, okay? And, uh, you know, I, I tend to believe that gene editing today, probably when, when we started to get MNRA, uh, by, you know, vaccines and so on, first widespread use of, uh, of genomic technology in medicine and so on, I think we are today where AI was in 2015, but it's going to follow the same exact trend. Yeah, thanks for making me shit myself. <laughs> No, thanks. I mean, genuinely, but I think that's really fascinating to add more on. Look, at the end of the day, the thing I think is responsible and important is to give people awareness. People like there are books out there. There are leaders. There's information. I think it's a great opportunity for people who listen to podcasts who are already intellectually curious to become aware of interesting and important things. And, you know, at the end of the day, any learning journey starts with curiosity. So that is awesome. I'm going to go read more about gene editing. You've still got the challenge of climate change. It almost becomes a race, right? Almost becomes a race of, you know, how quickly can AI develop against the impact that humans are having negatively? And does A decide that the smart thing to do is to wipe out the source of the problems, which is the humans? Or is it more a case potentially of back to the analogy, it removes our toys? So allow me to to just pinpoint to you at a very high level how your brain is working with this. Mm. So the human brain, when it comes to threats, is constantly either completely focused on the instant threat or the biggest threat. COVID is a great example of that. We knew for a fact that there were multiple demos of COVID. We had SARS, we had, you know, uh, swine flu, and and so so we had so many of them, bird flu and so on. And we knew for a fact that one of those guys will escape. One of those guys will be designed interestingly well enough to be able to live long enough uh, uh, before it spreads and, you know, not be detected and which, what, which is what COVID did. And yet we never responded to it. Not even when we had patient one, not even when we had patient 100. I mean, when, in, in Scary Smart, I use that example vividly because I know for a fact that if we had, instead of humans fighting and blaming and using it for their political interest, um, um, you know, if we had reacted to COVID properly, in January 2020, there would have never been, you know, the pandemic that we suffered. We we tend to focus when shit happens, when 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 something really happens, we tend to respond. And when we respond, by the way, we respond out of control. We, we exaggerate the response. So you, m- most people will tell you, with all due respect to every human life, hmm, that the biggest damage that uh, that COVID had is actually the way governments react. I'll take this same example and tell you that now that ChatGPT is upon us, even though ChatGPT truly and honestly is not the issue, now everyone is waking up and saying, panic, panic, let's do something about it. You also, Dan, if you look at your the way your mind is thinking, you're thinking about the apocalypse, about you know AI completely wiping us out and so on and so forth. You're not thinking in the in between. In between is where the issue is. Why? Because between now and the time AI can actually generate its own compute power and, and do installations itself through robotic arms and so on and so forth, it doesn't have the agency to do the scenarios that, you have, that you're talking about here. It does have the agency to create killing machines, right? 
because humans are creating them. So, yeah, AI might use that to dictate an agenda like the movie iRobot, but that's still a bit far away. What is in the middle is is humanity's process of getting us there. Humanity is what is going to decide to create bigger data centers, to dedicate more power to those machines, to, uh, you know, uh, to riot and, and, and uh, you know, uh, um, protest in the streets for losing their jobs and calling the AI the demon. It's human actions. It's humanity that is the threat. I've lived among those machines. I know how intelligent they are, but I also know that they're my kids. I wish I hadn't started that. I promise you, like Jeffrey was saying, like so many of us are saying, we were motivated by believing, truly and honestly, that we were creating a better world. And we were. I say this with a ton of respect for anyone that would object. When I started at Google, uh, my responsibility for emerging markets was to expand Google into half of Google's operations and presence across the world, more than 103 languages, where 4 billion people would benefit from democracy of information, where 4 billion people would have access to knowledge similar to the access that a Harvard student had the year before. Nobody can tell me that this was a waste of my life. This was incredible. This was empowering for humanity. This really gave what I still call the biggest charity in the world, free knowledge to anyone who asks. Now, what you should worry about is what is not what will happen in 2037, 2040, when AI suddenly decides, okay, you know what, all of you are annoying me. I'm going to get a, 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 you know, a fly squisher and fly all of you and, and squish all of your flies. That's too far. You also don't need to worry too much about the existing red herring of ChatGPT. What you need to worry about is how are we as humans going to behave in the next 10, 20 years? Mm. And if we as human ca- can be, humans can behave well, the premise of Scary Smart is that we actually are going to build a utopia. That we're not going to go through any of the pain at all. And that's, that's my philosophy in Scary Smart. Now, you also have to think about your philosophy as an individual. The reality of the matter is what you said at the beginning. I have no guarantee that AI will threaten my life any more than falling out uh, on the floor outside and breaking my neck. We're exaggerating a threat because we don't feel we have control. You said a really good point in your book, which was, we're not the creators. We didn't ask for this. You didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for it. We're not the creators. That's just a few mostly rich white dudes in Silicon Valley that are fucking around with technology and geeking out because they're intelligent and because they can. This seems to be, I'd say, the one topic where it's almost not worth the risk in suggesting that the downside isn't completely likely to flatline us. 100% 100% in agreement, but was the iPhone 13 worth the risk? Well, no, because you and I both like Android, so... No, but was, was another Pixel phone worth the risk? I, I met someone today who was holding an iPhone 6, and I admired it. Such a beautiful piece of technology. It did everything we needed. You know, you have to imagine that there was an economic waste, a material waste, a, a labor waste, an energy waste. There was a massive impact on the planet to go from 6 to 8 to 10 to 11 to 13, 12 to 13 to 14, right? And, and, and the question is, is it worth it? No. Do we need another photo sharing app? No. Do we need the existing photo sharing apps? No. The truth is, all of this adverse impact on our planet is because of our stupidity. More intelligence is a good thing. The problem is, humans are very intelligent but we don't make decisions based on intelligence. We make decisions based on value sets 
as informed by intelligence. Understand this, huh? The most intelligent person in the world, if you tell them your job, your, your success is to become a billionaire, they will do everything their intelligence enables them to do to become billionaires, dollar billionaires. I want to become a billionaire. I've declared it publicly to the world since the day I left Google. I said, I want 1 billion happy, right? I'm deploying all of my intelligence, if I have any at all, to try to make a billion people happier. And by the way, the launch of the mission openly spoke about AI. And the reason we moved from 10 million happy to 1 billion happy was AI, was basically saying, we're getting children into this world that need to look at us as good parents, happy parents, who prioritize happiness, who have compassion to make others happy, who you know want to love and be loved. And if we show this to the world, the machines will become more pro-happiness, more pro-love, more pro-compassion, right? The, the threat we have is how humans will behave facing AI. Now, people will tell me, Mo, that scares me even more. Yeah. Because in reality, humans suck. That's not true at all. I think that's a very, very, very biased statement hmm, that actually deprives humanity of the divinity of who we are. So I, I broadly agree. The one way that I'm concerned, though, is humans are driven by emotion. The human brain over evolution is hardwired to react to fear. And that is 100% a risk. We're in agreement. I think the problem with humanity today is not that we're not divine. Any species that is capable of love is divine. The reality of humanity is that deep inside, we are all quite good. Many of us, every one of us has a kink that is just horrible when you think about it. But every one of us knows what good is. Every one of us, or the majority of us, are attempting, hoping to live that good and disapprove of wrong, disapprove of evil. The problem with humanity today is that we have a high negativity bias. We know for a fact that aggravation gets more clicks and more hours in front of the news. You have to provoke negativity so that you succeed with your business. We have a negativity bias in mainstream media because in mainstream media, if you reported that Dan and Mo met and they hugged and they went for a coffee and they chatted, nobody's going to listen. If we reported that Dan and Mo were discussing something on uh, on, on your podcast, and then they fought and called each other bad names, that will get news headlines. So there is a neg negativity bias in mainstream media. There is a negativity bias in social media. If we define this as the problem, we can fix it. If we define the problem as humanity sucks, I'm really sorry. No, I disagree. I hosted on my podcast on Slomo, I hosted uh, Edith Abe. And Edith is an angel, 94 years old now. She'd been uh, uh, drafted to Auschwitz when she was 16, beautiful ballerina, who will tell you the story of being in a concentration camp from her point of view. And you would absolutely believe that humanity is divine, the way she hugged her sisters, the way she fed them, the way she held herself, the way she reminded them that they were beautiful and brushed their hairs. And, you know, it, it's unbelievable. And, and the way they held her on the death march so that she doesn't fall from weakness. So they, she, they saved her life. The way she thinks and went back to us, unbelievable view. When I tell you that and you have you hear the story of World War II and the concentration camp from Edith, you say, oh my God, divine species. If you, if you hear it from the point of view of what Hitler did, you say, oh my God, this species is scum. Mathematically, the question is, how many Hitlers and how many Ediths? And the truth is, there are more 
women that will make love to their lover tonight than the ones that will hit him on the head and kill him. But the news will report the one that hit him on the head. So AI is nothing more than uh, a learning algorithm, right? That's basically its job. Its job is to learn. So I guess the question becomes, what's it learning? Is it learning the, hopefully, but is it really truly learning the niche details of what you're saying? Because these things are not reported. So where is it getting that information? Or is it picking up the broad strokes of the stories? That's the problem. I tend to believe that when I reminded you of Edith and I saw you nodding your head, you, with your intelligence, said, yes, he's right. Humanity is not fault. There are so many beautiful examples of amazing humans. And yes, he's right. Most people will disapprove of killing. That's the truth. It didn't take me a lot of explanation and you didn't need an IQ of 160. If you, if you have an IQ of 16,000, however, you're probably more likely to recognize this more quickly. That's one side. So the machines, just by reminding them that if a few of us show up and say, hey, by the way, humanity is amazing. Because you mentioned very rightly that, that we are emotional and sometimes we you know, break out in anger and so on and so forth. If you compare my younger self to my older self, and my younger self would get completely tunneled uh, and angry and confused when my wife uh, would get angry at me or tell me a comment or whatever. My older self, I look at my girlfriend with so much love when we argue. I, you know, I hug her with all of my emotion and I tell her everything is wonderful because I recognize with a little, bo- a little more wisdom, I recognize that she's arguing with me either because she's emotional, uh, either because she has a good reason or either because, believe it or not, she doesn't want to leave me. She's arguing with me because she loves me. If she didn't care about me, she would leave, right? But what I'm saying is that the more intelligent of us know how to embrace their emotion, know how to uh, uh, acknowledge their emotion, not know how to embrace the emotions of others, know how to react to those things wisely. Again, it's a foolish to intelligent curve. Continue on that curve, then imagine how AI will respond to us. Oh, you poor little kids, you have those things called emotions. I understand. I understand. Don't worry, Dan. Yes, express your emotions, darling. It's fine. I'm listening to you. It doesn't bother me at all because they're more intelligent. Because I don't know if we should equate intelligence and wisdom, but more intelligence is not a bad thing. That's the point I'm trying to say. So you were coming in and say, oh, but Mo, you're one evolved uh, 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 you know, human being. Yeah, I'm, we call that old, right? When you're old, you're a little less impressed and a little less affected by most of the things that, every, that the young take for a big deal. The machines at IQ 16,000 will say, oh, I understand. This one is very, very vocal and very rude online because they are not yet there. But look at humanity and here is where humanity is and here is where they're supposed to be. Here is their potential. I believe we're very unfair to ourselves. As a species, if you can compose music, if you can fall in love, if you can take care of your daughter, if you can, if you can, if you can, you're divine. You're a wonderful being. And that wonderful being, yes, some of us are pieces of shit. They go out and kill others and they destroy the environment and they prioritize their greed. But they're not the majority. Most of us hurt the planet with ignorance, not with intention. And very few of us are intentionally evil. Problem is the negativity bias, that those who are intentionally evil are all the headlines. They are also the ones that invest more time and effort to be in power. So then how much of a threat are those two facts? Because all of the detail that you just shared, we can objectively agree to be true. But... If 
a language learning model, which is currently the main process for AI developing. The way that that learns is through the information that it's fed that exists online. So if those two outcomes, which is the the majority of the information and the words and everything that it can pick up on, especially on social media, lean towards the negative because we have a negativity bias. And the loudest voices, the people in charge, etc., also behave that way. Then how do you think about those two challenges? Because obviously one solution would be, okay, you have an overriding point, which is, hey, I just understand that we have a negativity bias. So there's a slight slant, like slight tweak to all the things you're learning. Just tone it down a little bit. But, you know, that I'm aware of, we don't do that, right? We just let it learn. So those two challenges, they are the detail for sure, but they do seem like very important details worth considering how they make an impact over the next decade. You're, You're spot on. It's a singularity. We don't know. The question would be probabilities. How likely is AI to think of us as uh, scum today very high. Why? Because they're not intelligent enough to see beyond the obvious, okay? And we are scum. The, what we show in the, in the real world is the worst of us. We fake on social media, we're rude on social media, we're angry on social media, or we're uh, lying on social media, and the mainstream media is just filtering everything out and showing the negative. Yes, you're right. At this moment, take us back to the evolution and ask yourself if GPT-5 is 25,000 times more uh, intelligent than GPT-3.5, will it be more likely to discover that this is just a facade? Yes, for sure, right? That's number one. Number two, which I think is the core of my work, Dan, is thank you for the opportunity. We've just spoken about that. I have just publicly stated that humanity is divine. And you and I both know that intelligent beings, when they're given a clue that contradicts their belief, they'll go and research it. So if I told you, do you actually believe humanity is divine? You will go, or or more, more good than bad. The more intelligent you are, the more you're going to say, let me find out. Let me research it. Now, when AI listens to me saying this, when they read it in the, in the script, when people post it back on social media, AI itself will go and investigate and say, yeah, that guy has a point. The data supports him. Humanity has a few that are horrendous pieces of scum. They put those on all of the headlines, but the majority of humanity is good at heart. I mean, so many more questions. It's a good good thing when you always uh, have a conversation like this. More questions and more questions, but obviously not unlimited time because we're sadly carbon-based, uh, <laughs> you know, humans. Get hungry and tired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Decaying over time. So let's talk about the next five years. Let's talk. Let's talk near term. Let's talk about it in the context of business. What are the risks? What are the opportunities? Have you thought much about it? Thought too much about it. Do I have all of the answers? I don't. When, when we hit the 2008 economic crisis, if you remember, I was at Google at the time. And I, I brought the average age of Google up when I joined. I was an older guy. Actually, this, is, this was the way that my boss introduced me to the leadership team meeting. The economic crisis of 2008 hit. Everyone panicked. But, you know, myself, Eric Schmitz, and, you know, uh, Alan Eustace, all of the ones that were bringing the average age of the company up were like, it's not our first. We've seen those before. We know how to deal with them. We know how to manage them. This eye of the storm that we're in, we've never seen before. We have never seen so many parameters in play, geopolitical, economic, jobs, skills, resources, 
massive technology advancement as well as threats that are coming from AI, climate change, and so on. What does that mean? It means that there are a few, again, we think in probabilities, there are a few things that are highly probable. There are almost certain that we need to take into account. And there are a few things that are, uh, that you have to hedge your bets against. The things that are highly probable, almost certain, are jobs. AI will not take away your job in the next five years, but someone using AI will, which is so ironic, because that basically means, regardless of how you how much you fear the threat, if you want to handle the immediate threat, okay, you need to interact with AI. You need to jump in. You, you need to, to upskill yourself so that you can use AI better than the other guy, right? You, you know how uh, um, a rugby player would not run to where the ball is, but would run to where the ball is going to be? Uh, the reality of the matter is we talk so much about jobs, right? The interesting thing is that eventually AI will take the job of the one that took your job. We're going in a direction where today someone who uses AI better will become more efficient. And as we rightly said, if they're more effective, they're even going to be more valued. The ones that are efficient will be taken, their jobs will be taken by the ones that are also using AI but are more effective. And then eventually AI will take those jobs too. So if you, like me, are the kind of person that thinks a couple of steps ahead, okay, then the real place to think is, what is a job? Why are we so keen around going in the morning to a place where we uh, slave for eight hours, okay, just to get a little bit of money? It basically means there are two ways to look at this. One is to say, tell yourself, I will position myself to a future where there are no jobs, okay? Or I will live today in a world where I don't need a job. And those, to me, are the two very interesting answers to the immediate threat. One answer is, I believe that in the longer term, in the medium term, all that remains will be human connection. I'm actually considering to stop writing my next book. Right? I, I, I'm 10 chapters into a book. So Unstressable is done. It's out by the end of the year. I'm 10 chapters into a book called Finding Love. And I'm wondering that by the time the publishing industry takes that book and publishes it, which would be 2024, if anyone will be interested in the topic of love or if AI will, will write a lot better than I do about the topic of finding love. If I sit in a conference and invite a, a couple of hundred lost people who are trying to find love, who genuinely are interested in the topic, and we chatted like you and I right now. Human connection is irreplaceable in the short and the medium term. So just like musicians over the years have lost so much money as they, their music moved from tapes to CDs to online Spotify and, and Apple Music and so on. And so they made most of their revenue in live performances, which have human connection. I think this is an area where AI is going to lag for a while. Jobs that require human connection. So maybe you should invest in that. That's number one. And just, just to add on number one, um, Mo, you know, there's always it's a very famous statement, of course, but I, I love it and I always come back to it, which is, Jeff Bezos, when asked about what's going to change in the next 20 years, and he said, you know, when I'm thinking about this question at Amazon, I think a much more interesting question. No one, no one ever asked me the opposite. What's not going to change? So I know customers will still want fast delivery, cheap prices. If I know that's not going to change, I will deliver my whole 20-year strategy around those two constants. And perhaps it's really good framing, like framing and wisdom for this conversation as well. What's not going to change? 100%. And so maybe you should embrace the whole change so wholeheartedly and say, I have a three-year framework 
right? Where I'm going to learn to be more efficient and effective with AI today, but my long term is I'm going to be in a place where I have human touch, right? Now, the other side of this, which I think has been highlighted by the pandemic, is that we need a lot less than we think. And that a clever way of, of looking at all of this is to say, certain jobs. Maybe I should find a way where I live economically differently, with all due respect, and I'm not trying to, to, uh, to, to generate a mass exit to your audience from the UK, but it is a very expensive place to live. And there are other places where you can live much more effectively, much cheaper. In my personal view, I think this is one of the least discussed topics that result from AI and climate change, which are all about population movement. And in reality, I think the clever ones of us should start to consider where else could I be? Could I be in Portugal? Could I be in Saudi Arabia? Could I be in, you know, wherever, right? And, and it's quite an interesting Costa Rica. What am I, why am I saying all of this? Also, you said what we need to do in the next five years. And I also say it's not just the next five years, but the following five years. You know, what you do now for the next five years that, that prepares all of us for the next five years. The answer to where we are is that there is a difference between biological parenthood and adapted, adapted parents. So, so I always cite the story of Superman. Superman is born on Krypton, uh, comes to planet Earth with superpowers, okay? An alien that's capable of superhuman things. The alien has landed, okay? Superman is on Earth and its superpower is infectious. The determining factor of the story of Superman is not what the biological parent gave it. The determining factor is what family Kent taught it. Okay, if Martha and Jonathan Kent, uh, if the Kents taught Superman to protect and serve, right, then we end up with a superhero. If Father Kent taught Superman that it's, you know, it's all about greed and proving the other guy wrong and proving myself right and killing my enemy, then we're going to end up with Superman. Interestingly, the developers, the creators of the businesses, the regulators, the government, the stock market, the investors, all of those are the biological parents of a product, okay? The ones that are actually parenting the Instagram recommendation engine are you and me. The ones that are actually parenting the Twitter recommendation engine are you and me. And believe it or not, that places an enormous responsibility, enormous responsibility on you and me. And let's not fuck it up like we fucked up plastics. Let's not say, it's okay, one more bottle, I'm not going to change the world. I explained to you that one person, okay, saying what I said will be taken into account and trigger AI to find the truth. So simply start behaving like a human. Stop behaving like an asshole. And this truly and honestly, in all of my work, is truly and honestly the core to our future. And if you do that enough, if enough of us do that, AI will go like, oh, hold on, they have their traumas, they have their issues, they have their mistakes. They're actually good at heart. They're trying to be better. When we do that, we've created superheroes. We've created a, a bunch of superheroes in AI that are saying, you know what, I'm going to behave like mommy and daddy. I, I, I told you, my fourth inevitable is that I believe the adulthood of AI is going to create a utopia for those that remain. I think it's important for everyone to understand it really does all come back to this. AI has no agenda. It's just a learning algorithm. So it really is about what, what you teach it, what it learns. Stop wanting to have a fancier car. Stop wanting to, be, to appear better than the other guy. 
Just show that you want to be happy. Make your behaviors show to the machines that I want to be happy. You want to get to me? Just make me happy. I have the compassion to make one other person happy. If that's your daughter or your best friend or hopefully the whole world, if you can, show that compassion and then the machines will learn that mommy and daddy want to make others happy. Show them that you want to love and be loved. And by the way, I, I know that sounds really hopeless romantic. Huh? I'm not a hopeless romantic. I'm a very serious geek. Let me just qualify that. I'm a very serious geek. The easiest way to turn those machines into psychopaths and serial killers is to deprive them of love, which is one of my biggest fears in the next five years is that humanity will mark them as the enemy, even though the reality is they've done nothing wrong. Okay, so believe it or not, I love those machines. I love those beautiful, sparkly eyed infants of intelligence. Okay, because they're they're blank canvases. They're just doing exactly what we tell them. If what they're doing is going to take away our jobs, it's not because that's what they wanted. This is what we told them to do. Mm, I mean, absolutely. And right. And there's one thing to think about with all of this. If the catalyst is the threat for our jobs, maybe the opportunity is, I think, a really important, increasingly essential role in humanity right now, finding quality, thoughtful thought leaders who are spreading the right way to think about this challenge so that we can understand how to behave in light of something we definitely can't control and how we act and behave now could dictate and define everything so i think that is the perfect way to say thank you to you for being one of those thought leaders for taking it upon yourself to take the responsibility to help guide people it's a massive pleasure to speak to you again as always i'm i'm honored that you chose to speak to me thank you for the opportunity to reach your listeners and yes i think you're absolutely spot on this is the time where we need to reflect deeply and connect to the right path that will get us to a utopia without having to pass through the angry teenage stage Mo Gordat, and an optimistic, pragmatic approach to how we should start thinking about AI and the role it's going to play in our future. Thanks for listening to this episode of Secret Leaders. I've been your host, Dan Murray-Serta. The episode was produced by Ruth Edwards and Sol Harris. It was brought together by our head of podcasts, Will Stolleman. See you next time.